Mutual presents Arch Obelow's Plays. The Mutual Broadcasting System has the pleasure of presenting the eighth broadcast of a special 26-week series of plays by radio playwright Arch Obelow. The play will be introduced by Arch Obelow. You know, radio by and large is an ephemeral act. What happens drives across space and through your radio set and out of your loudspeaker and is quickly gone with the kilocycle. So the short play is especially fitted to the radio media. Tonight we had planned to go over motion pictures one better and do a triple feature. But 30 minutes can't be stretched, so here's a double feature. First feature, a comedy titled Ostrich in Bed. This is what happened to Mr. Bart Reynolds one evening when he returned from work. Come and cry on his lips. Jean, darling, I'm home. I know you're home. What's the matter, darling? Is he not cold? Bob, listen to me. Well, Jean. I tried to work with the office one in all afternoon. Oh, but you don't tell me, Jean. What's the matter? Darling, I don't know exactly how to tell you this. Tell me. Tell me what? Bart, we... You and I... No. No. No, what? All I want to tell you is... Yes. There's an ostrich in our bed. Bart Reynolds, all I ask you to do, absolutely all, is open the door and look in. <laughs> Come here. Yes. How long have we been married? Seven years. What's that got to do with that? It's got to do with why I love you. Never a dull moment. Remember last year when I came home and you announced that you'd gone into the fur business with one rabbit? And the year before that, you'd gone into the chicken raising business with five roosters? And the year before that, someone had given you a deal to flower. You were going to corner the honey market. Will you answer me what's that got to do with this? Well, that business venture is all the foxes and nonsense of preamble to. Now, come ahead, let's have the truth. Bart Reynolds, are you insinuating that I'm lying? Oh, my sweet, my dear, my love, I'm only insinuating that it's after six. Our dinner guest is arriving at seven. He's a man absolutely without a sense of humor. So let's have the joke. I'll ask, and then I'll have you get the table set. Bart Reynolds, you come with me. Oh, no, no, stop doing Come with me. But, but, but where? The bedroom. Yes. I'll show you. I'll show you. Uh, Here. Look. Uh, it is an ostrich. It is an ostrich. When I heard the sound of the door, I thought to myself, now who can that be? Yes, you know, so I thought to myself, now who can that be? Oh. And I started for the door, and on the way I slipped and fell. Brought that new soul watch is absolutely no good. And when I got to the door, I couldn't open it because the lock was closed. So I said, I'll be with you in a minute, not having a terrible idea what was on the other side. And when I finally did get the door open, there it was. But, but, uh, I tried to scream, but the screen stuck in my door, so I just stood there and it just walked right down, down the hall into the bedroom and sat down on the bed. But, and that's all there is to it. But darling, people don't open their front doors and find offices there. No, Bob. No, I think just, uh, just don't walk into people's houses and sit down in their bedrooms. No, Bob. It, it, it's preposterous. Bob? Yes? Why don't you tell that to the office? 
Hello? Hello, is this the police department? Yes, yes, Sergeant Buchanan. Yes, Sergeant, this is Mr. Reynolds at 803 Catalpa Street. 803 Catalpa. A very peculiar thing that's happened. I wish to report this. I'm listening. Oh, well, it's this way, Sergeant. So this feels that there's an ostrich in our bed. That is to say, there's an ostrich in our bed. I'm afraid we got a bad connection. What did you say? I said an ostrich has come into our house and he's in our bed. Now, please, won't you send a squad car over here quickly? We're expecting very important dinner guests. Uh, and the ostrich ought to be out of here by the time they arrive. Sergeant? Hello, hello. Are you there? I'm here, mister. Don't you think it's a little early in the evening to be feeling so happy? I'm not happy. He's not happy. Who is that? That was my wife. Uh, look, would you please hurry and get some policemen over here and get this ostrich out of here? Sergeant, did you hear me? I heard you. And I have one comment to make. There's a war going on. The police department is short on health. We're overworked. We're tired. And we haven't got any time for drunk. Now both stick your head in a bucket and don't bother us. Hello. Hello, is this the Society for the Protection of Dumb Animals? Hmm? Uh, I said, is this the Society for the Protection of Animals? S-A-P-S-E-A. Can I help you? Oh, you certainly can. You certainly can. Uh, did, uh, did you pick up stray animals? Yes, sir. A dog or cat. Well, it's sort of a bird. Male or female? Well... I don't know. I'm sorry. We must have that information. Well, hold a while. Joan, is it a he or a she? Hey, Bob, how should I know? Hello. Uh, we don't know. I'm sorry. We must have that information. But it's a bird, you hear me? A bird. I'm sorry. We do not pick up stray birds. Uh, would you be interested in a nice dog? I would not. Now, this bird, could you please... We co- have a complete selection of stray dogs. A dog is man's best friend. Every home should have a dog. Would you be interested? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you. It's hopeless. We'll never get rid of that bird. Listen. Let me walk. It's almost seven. Mr. Calvert. Mr. Calvert. Well, Bob, what do we do when he gets here? Tell us. Are you out of your mind, honey? He's a stuffy conservative newspaper. He writes stuffy conservative newspaper editorials. If the police won't see you about story about the ostrich, what do you think Mr. Calvert will say? Well, we can show it to him. One mention of this ostrich, and we'll be in every newspaper in the country. I can't call off this dinner, honey. It's part of um, public relations. So there's only one hope. Give Mr. Calvert the and get him out of here fast. Dinner? Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob, what? The dinner. I haven't even begun the dinner. Bob. Hmm? Do you think Mr. Calvert would be interested in ostrich on coast? Fundamentals, my dear Reynolds. What this country needs is to go back to fundamentals. Agreed? Uh, yes, Calvert. The fundamentals of simple living and simple food. May I congratulate you on your salad, Mrs. Reynolds? Oh, thank you, Mr. Calvert. Yes, what America needs is a simple, peaceful way of life. No way of life. Thank you, Mr. Calvert. Thank you, Mr. Calvert. Here you are, too. Self-sufficient. You, Mrs. Reynolds, capable of making a fine dinner. I'll cook some of the first time. Immaterial and irrefutable. You are capable of conducting your own family life only in the city. Thank you. That's all, Mr. It has been my experience that the average American family has too much horse play and not enough horse sense. The wild and restrained so-called shooting of the average American family leads to family discord, distance, and divorce. Children? Huh? Uh, yes, it's powerful. The American home must once again become... A quiet 
the steps. What woodpeckers? Oh, it's not woodpeckers. Oh, yes. And where was I? In the American home. Oh, this is the American home. It must once again become an institution. Self-screening, self-productive. An arsenal of life. There it is again. What is that? The arsenal of livestock. Uh, I can't hear anything. Uh, neither do I. Well, uh, I thought I did. But to continue. That could be self-sustaining every home you should make use of our fabric friends. Hmm? Pigeons in the office, chickens in the basement. What about the bedroom? Hello, you're done. Uh, Mr. Calvert, have you read any good books lately? I, I mean, uh, about the American home? Just the other day, I ran across a book that said... Yes, just a the moment, I know. Look, Someone at the door. Well, aren't you going to answer? Oh, yes. Yes, there must be somebody at the front door. I'll go see. Just a moment. Yes, Mr. Crawford. Sound is from that person. Oh. Well, are you just going to sit there? Hmm? Aren't you going to find out who it is? Well, I... Oh, it's no I... use, but you might as well show him. Show me what? What's going on here? That's... That feathered friend you were talking about, uh, well? We already have it, Mr. Carver. I beg your pardon. Even when you see it, sir, you won't believe it, but there goes. What is it? Yes, yes. Look down the hall and hold on to your hat. What? What? Look out. Look out. Don't let it get away. Well, I thought everything's under control. Oh, what? Mr. Carver has passed out and the ostrich is eating the salad. Well, Mrs. Reynolds? Well, Mr. Reynolds? Here we are. Here we are. Who writes your dialogue these days? Oh, short, fat fellow with that head. Tell me, Mrs. Reynolds, has anything amusing happened to you later? Oh, nothing much. Not an ostrich yesterday. Anyone you know? Tall, thin fellow with feathers. Along the boulevard? No, not over the salad bar. <laughs> What's funny, Mr. Reynolds? Mm. Well, at least we got rid of Mr. Calvert. <laughs> yes. And I'm very sleepy. Now let's go to bed. What bed, Mrs. Reynolds? Bed? It isn't back in the bedroom again. I didn't want to tell you before, but while you weren't looking, it back into the bedroom. Bed? Throw it out. And we've been through that before. But do you admit you're afraid of an ostrich? I admit I'm afraid of an ostrich. But I'm tired. I want to sleep. Well, I sleep. There's always a sofa. Oh, this is crazy. Call the police. Call the fire department. Call, call the Society for the Prevention of Dumb Animals. All right. It's wait until this morning. If I have to call out the wax, the waves, and the stars, out it goes. Out it goes. What? What is it now? In the morning, 
Do you think it'll accept breakfast and dance? Wake up. Mm-hmm. What? 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 What?
of my attention to certain ones of my relatives are very worried about a certain person, namely me. It's come to my attention that certain relatives are saying that when I got off the boat, they brought me back in the South Pacific after four years in the Army, including two years combat duty. All I had to show for it was sunburn, malaria, and no dough. With all these rumors and worries going around, I therefore wish to take this opportunity, like the politicians said, to make a report to my relatives. <clears throat> Dear relatives in the borough of Brooklyn, I give you greetings, like the president said to me on my draft notice. I am now back in the United States as a returned serviceman, having been formerly with the United States Marine Corps, which certainly even you have heard. Now I will get down to the subject of which all of you are most interested. Big. Financial. The rumor is right. I got off the boat after four years of service, including three in combat, and I wish to say that my bankroll is flattered in the top of Cousin Eli's head. But before you snatch in the welcome map, please the blow up against the door and plug up the keyhole, even tell you a few more of the facts of life of your relative Sergeant Moran, namely me. When I arrived in that state in South Pacific Island, due to certain events which took place on the transport going out, namely, certain very bad and unusual passes, I arrived on said Island in a very bankrupt condition. This, you will say, is the familiar condition for one Sergeant Moran, but, dear relative, by this time, I've been in the Marine Corps for two years. So I therefore cleaned out an old air drum, promoted a certain gas engine, and within a very short time, I suddenly Moran was in business. Hot laundry, This may come as a complete surprise to you, my dear relative, but I suddenly Moran was an immediate success. Yes, uh, Major, I'll have the church for you in the morning. Okay, Captain, no starch in a car. Fixing the holes in the sacks because you could get this Sergeant. Okay, I'll turn the cuffs for you, but that'll be four bits, Corporal. Inside of two weeks, I had to hire the two assistants. And by the time somebody in Washington pressed the button and said, transfer something out of Guad, and I had to, like they say, look what business, I had 1,000 bucks cash in my kick. I got on that transport floating like I had clouds on my feet. A thousand bucks. I was in the laundry business. Come on, snake out. Two hours on that transport and I was out of business. Come on, little Joe. No, make my point. Clean out the junk. That's all, brother. That's all, brother. Having no more money... I was asked to leave the game and go stake my tent someplace else, which naturally gave me a lot of what you might call spare time in which to think. This thinking continued for two days, and by the time a very large bridge which belongs to San Francisco coming aside, I had it all figured out. First, what I needed was some more ice sword. In case you are ignorant, my dear relatives, which is natural, a samurai sword is used by Japanese officers when they're charging bonsai bonsai. And it's supposed to be a very slick article for the souvenir hunters, although personally I'll take a baseball bat any time. But, for reasons which you will soon note, I decided that I need one of these here samurai swords. And since I don't have one, I look around, and I took on Sergeant Milligan first, because he has a very long sword which he's removed from a Japanese officer, and second, because he's a very sentimental character. Hiya, Sergeant Milligan. How are you, old kid, old boy? It's something you done the shape. Remember? Yeah. So I did some of my attention that you're the proud owner of two of them there Japanese samurai swords. Is that a fact? Yeah. 
The thing that come to my attention is you've turned down a sum of 25 grand for said sword. Yeah. From which I take it you're interested in making a much larger profit. Yeah? Sergeant, man to man, do you love your mother? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about. Sarge, I have a small proposition for you. A small proposition. If you could ask me, my dear relatives, what my mother, who's been dead ten years, God rest her soul, has got to do with a Japanese sword, I'll tell you it has nothing to do with a Japanese sword. But as I said, Sergeant Milligan is a sentimental guy, and when I leave the ship, I've given him the last thing which I owned in the world. This, a certain pair of earrings from Australia, which I've been saving for a certain dame on Flatbush Avenue, who I discovered from a long distance telephone call, waited all of 12 hours after I'd been inducted to marry a certain 4S individual working for the A&P grocery stores. And in terms of these here earrings, the sentimental sergeant has given me his extra Japanese sword, which I'm still carrying as I get off the boat in San Francisco, and which I'm still carrying in all the formalities and the John through very speedily, if I must say so, and I'm now a retained service man. So, I'm walking along carrying the sword very prominently, you might say, when a certain civilian individual comes up alongside me. Now, I can see right away that this here civilian is strictly legitimate, looking exactly like Cousin Harry, who, as you know, is a very hard worker and is strictly legitimate. The time is now 9 o'clock in the morning of my first day as a return service man proper. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. Well, okay, mister. I'm easy to converse with. What's on your mind, eh? Uh, is that, uh, is that a Japanese samurai sword you're carrying? It is indeed, brother. It is indeed. Uh, you, you are a return service man, I take it. You took it, eh? Uh, you, uh, <clears throat> I suppose I shouldn't say it, but uh, would you be interested in selling the sword? Oh, I know it's a terrible thing to ask. I, I presume it has a great deal of value to you, but I've always wanted to own a sword like that, and, of course, there wasn't ever a chance of my getting into this war because I'm over 40 and my asthma. <laughs> Could you? Would you sell me the sword? Could you? Would you sell me the sword? At 10 a.m., dear relatives, this certain civilian who looks like Uncle Harry is the owner of one Japanese samurai sword, while I'm now the owner of 10 bucks cash and... One Model A Ford in very good condition, including the paint job and four very good tires in very good condition, due to the fact that this said civilian individual, a little gas and rubber rationing begins, puts the car up on blocks, drains the oil and water, and covers the whole thing with the best cover like it was at least to deal with. It's now, as I say, 10 a.m. And I'm one hour with turn service man's problem, and I got 10 cans of one Model A Ford with good rubber. But No gas. I call upon a certain gas rationing board. And gentlemen, even as I was brought across the country from Brooklyn to save my country, Satan, a grateful citizen, Harry, will send me back to Brooklyn out of my way to son. Yes, I know, I know. My government will send me back by train. But surely you'll grant me the privilege of taking back with me the one little possession of my whole life, my very own automobile. Gentlemen, as patriotic citizens, I have a small proposition to make to you. At 11 o'clock of my first day as a retained soldier problem, I'm headed south on the coast highway toward Los Angeles in my own automobile, which has a very large tank full of gas. It's very nice. I observe the ocean. I breathe in a few lungfuls of air with the strictly empty of malaria and other obnoxious diseases native to where I've been. And I'm feeling very, very good. At 11 o'clock, my stomach announces it's time for chow. 
I pull up to a very small hot dog stand with a stand by the crossroads. In the hot dog stand, reading a very large book, is a very small girl. With a minute she opens her mouth, I think, where am I? Good morning. Here's the afternoon. What can I do for you? Do you have anything you want as long as it is hot dog? The stand with my mouth hanging open like Cousin Harold, the one I had to put away. Look, mister, haven't you ever seen a girl before? You should you to live on the Carab Avenue. What's it to you? Brooklyn. She's from Brooklyn. She's from Brooklyn. At 12 o'clock shop, I'll be trying to count a help in this very nice county set of wait-up customers. Okay, Annie, I guess we've got them customers under control now, so come on. Give us some more of that life history, eh? Well, he said, Pa, takes one look at this blonde puppy and he forgets all about his great love for California and the business and me. And he cleans out the cash register and goes. Oh. Well, for six months I've been parking it here and that's it. I've got relatives down in San Diego on my side, but who can get there? You mean you want to get away, huh? What do you think? And when people want to get away, how do they go? By automobile. What automobile? Annie, standing out there by the curb is an automobile that's had to find tenant care of a good man in a good home. And because you're from Brooklyn and because I'm from Brooklyn, I have a small proposition to make to you. At one o'clock shop, I am only of a hot dog stand on U.S. Highway 101, which is a very main type artery, running from San Francisco down to San Diego. And one said of a very large individual who, if he was a woman, would be your partner expression, a spit manager, Cousin Aggie. Sits down at the counter. While he's munching on his six hot dogs, complete with all the fixings, I engage with a little condescension. How are the hot dogs, Victor? Well done enough for you? Would you like some more onions? Mm-hmm. Should I like that? Mm-hmm. Mr. I, I, I just got back to the South Pacific, and I heard some mighty strange parameter down there, but, but I don't know what tribe you're from. <clears throat> <sighs> Sorry, sorry, I've been so busy these days, I always eat with my mouth full. I said, you don't know how lucky you are. I haven't been down in South Pacific. Lucky? You tell me? You haven't been here during the war. <laughs> People, some of them would rather lose the war than a button off their shirt. Shirt? What shirt? Any shirt. And the salt. Yes, sir, you're lucky. What's wrong with you? Oh, a little malaria. Oh, you're still lucky. I got three ulcers. And that's true, these aren't my sheets. I don't care what the laundry mark says, these aren't my sheets. Mine were for Kale, huh? And all the time you know and she knows that all the sheets you ever owned to her name were made small flower snacks. So she takes in the small claim store and sues her for Kale. Okay. Mister, are you in the laundry business? In me, Pepper. Yeah. No, the laundry business is in me, up to here. It's not a big place, you understand. In fact, just a little hand laundry, but I just can't take it anymore. My, my laundry bag. Why didn't you dine my thoughts? You tore all the buttons off my shirt. You gave me the wrong bundle. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's just a piece of fire. Yes, sir. Is, is this here peaceful enough for you? Yes. <laughs> I could sit here eating hot dogs the rest of my life. Mister, I have a small proposition for you. Mister, I have a small proposition for you. Dear relatives, by three o'clock on that same day, I am in the laundry business. That's all. Like I said before, with all these here rumors and worries going around, I've been very happy to take this opportunity, like the politician said, to make a report to all of you. The laundry business here is even better than it was down in that state in South Pacific Island. 
Because here, when a customer gets tough with new rank, don't go. Like you might say, everybody here's nothing but a private. Now he's a TFC, so I get along fine. I already have a thousand dollars in my kit. And if any of you relatives back in Brooklyn get in trouble, just leave me know. I, Sudgy Moran, formerly of the United States Marine Corps, and more recently a returned soldier problem, will take care of you. Until you get on your feet, I will personally do your laundry for one month free at her threat. Of course, dear relatives in Brooklyn, you'll have to make your own pickup and delivery. I will close this report by stating that my laundry is located in San Diego, California. You have just heard Report to My Relatives. The leading player, Bruce Elliott. This was the second of two short plays of a double feature, written especially for radio by Arch Overler. The music was written by Gordon Jenkins, and the orchestra conducted by Al Sack. Next week, we will bring you Mr. Edler's original dramatization of a new and very unique book, Names on the Land, by Mr. George R. Stewart. This is the story of the origin and evolution of the principal names on the land in the United States. With story, song, and music, this broadcast will tell you of the names of our land. The name, perhaps, of the place where you live. This will be the ninth in a special series of plays written, produced, and directed for the Mutual Broadcasting System by Arch Ovaler. Thank you.